people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want, want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello, this is Sri Chalapa with People Strategy Leaders Podcast, and I am joined today with a legend, Bev K. Dr. Beverly K. Contributions for the last four decades have not only positively influenced clients and industry colleagues, but have facilitated respect for the learning and performance industry overall. She's the author or co-author of five books on engagement and development, which include the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Love Em or Lose Em. Now out in its sixth edition, Beverly's book also include Love It, Don't Leave It, as well as Hello Stay Interviews, Goodbye Talent Loss, all co-authored with Sharon Jordan Evans. Her best-selling book on alternative career paths, Up Is Not The Only Way, Rethinking Career Mobility, co-authored by Lindy Williams and Lynn Covert in 2017, builds on decades of research and work in this field. Well, welcome to the show, uh, Bev. It's been an honor to have you. Great. Thank you. Nice to be here and still be be here with you and here with me in my own office. Yeah. This, you know, you, you've been talking about the subjects that people are suddenly talking about as if it's new areas, you know, like <laughs> talent mobility, career paths, uh, lo, you know, like your love, love em or leave em is about uh, employee engagement. Do you find yourself like repeating the same thing over and over again for the last 40 years? You know, in a way, yes. And in a way, it's um, it's wrapped in a new wrapping in, in a way. So um, I wrote Up Is Not The Only Way for the first time, because I've written it several times, in 1982. And it was based on my doctoral work um, at UCLA. And uh, it was a, an OD approach, a systems approach to career development. And it started my career um, and got well known. Uh, I did fail my doctoral orals three times <laughs> because I was trying to do phenomenological research which means you study a phenomenon and when your theory holds all your data, that's it. And I would come in to my orals and say, this is my theory. And they'd say, can't be, start again. But it really was wonderful for me because it pushed me to really do some deeper thinking about how do careers unfold how do organizations build careers? And it gave me the insight that, of course, not everybody can move up. So what other channels for growth are there? And I've since then um, 
popularized it, made it sweeter, shorter, easier, and trained globally um, uh, in order to teach managers how to have that conversation and then teach employees how they should prepare for the conversation. So that's still, um, still work I'm doing. And on the other side is the retention work. And it almost feels like somebody sent me the great resignation so that I could again <laughs> talk about retention. So I'm in the lucky place of having selected specialties that are evergreen. So I'm knocking wood uh, that they stay evergreen. Yeah. And the thing is, it's gotten more prominence now. You know, uh, retention has been a big problem, even with the slowdown in the economy, uh, because we have a, a shrinking labor force, to be honest, you know. Right. Um, and also, parent mobility is hot again, uh, I say, because, you know, obviously you were thinking about it 30, 40 years ago. And it's... Uh, it's it's focuses more around career aspirations around not necessarily going up, but it's about skill development and working on some new areas. So what is different about the conversation, if anything, today than what was in you know when you wrote the book? Um well I think, you know, I consult to organizations around the world. I think companies are asking for a quicker fix than they ever have before. So I come from the days of flip charts and magic markers and those slides we used to use and, and one day or two day workshops. And now everyone wants it in an hour um, or less. So I have learned to scrunch and tighten and deliver a whole lot in a short period of time. So one thing that's different is, can you do it quicker, shorter? And maybe with that is, can you give managers the question to ask that could kick off that conversation? And then the next question to ask. And that's what I've been doing all along because my work is very practical, but that's a big shift to now. How can we deliver a way to help people do this quicker, faster, without a lot of the theory, mm -hmm. um, if possible. Yeah, and I think the amount of training managers go through now may not be as much as it used to be back in the day, right? They were formal management trainee programs. I remember going through one myself uh, back in India, you know, when I was first came out of college there. And... I don't know if a lot of companies do that now. I know probably the big ones like Ford and GM and GE probably all do that, but I'm not sure if that is a common practice with the right. newer big ones now, like Facebook and right. Google and right. some of the other unicorns, quote unquote, out there. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that's actually impacting how managers are not well prepared to manage as well now? You know... I think it, it affects it. I mean, it, it, there was nothing like turn to your partner and let's practice this 
for a manager to say, oh, that wasn't easy, you know, and to deliver that via Zoom, etc. cetera, um, you don't get the same, I got it feeling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think now our technology is so interesting and so varied and so possible that we're getting close, you know, as close as we can. Um, And I think managers around the world are seeing talent is everything. Mm -hmm. Yes, the product we produce is everything. But if the talent's not there to produce that product, then shame on us for not taking care of that talent. And um, I think so we just have to not only arm leaders and managers and supervisors, but we have to arm the individual to say, this is what I need. This is what I want you know, how can we work together to help me get that? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a, it's two groups that have to be educated and employees can't wait for someone to knock on their door. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, going back to the, one of the things I'm just thinking out loud here, you know, back in the, you know, 20, 30, even 30 years ago, um, to become a manager actually meant something big back then, right? You don't become a manager three years into a job or four years into the job uh, because companies didn't expand as fast and, and grow as fast as they do now. Um, like I remember my dad, you know, became a manager well and, you know, when, when he was in his 40s, really, you know, um, it was a big deal. We had a big celebration at our house and, you know, party and whatnot. And now big people become managers two years into their job, three years into their job, right? So I wonder if that's causing the quick, you know, uh, learning they need to be managers because the companies are growing from like, you know, 10 employees to 400 employees in a year to 900 employees two years later. Right. So, right. so they have to promote, you know, these people. Right. And, you know, um, the culture inside of organizations is changing. And you talked about managers and your dad. And I just finished writing an article about National Bosses Day, which is the 16th. And in this particular article, I said the very word boss has a hugely negative connotation now. Yes. You know, um, uh, because I wrote another one called You're Not the Boss of Me, which is the attitude employees are taking on now. I have choices. They still have choices. And if you as my boss don't show respect, don't treat me well, don't, etc., I have other options. So... Um, I think the role of the manager, the boss, has changed to being less I tell you do and more what can we do mm-hmm. that works for both of us. So um, that's changing. And the COVID has helped that change along. 
um, because employees are remote and that has its whole set of issues and employees are asking for more. You think employees are asking for more now than the employees 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Or yeah, is I there... do. I do. I think, you know, and this is out there in, in the literature that COVID showed many employees around the world uh, that there were other ways they could do their work and that there were other choices for them. Mm -hmm. So I think that changes the dynamic absolutely over the 40 years I've been doing this. Um, you know, it's not so much I, I, sir, <laughs> mm -hmm. as it once was. Um, so, and I think that's healthy yeah. for everybody, I think. So, uh, you know, looking at your book, Love Em or Lose Em, you have obviously uh, a different chapters alphabetically uh, ordered in there. Uh, so there's 26 of them total, right? Right, right. Um, of them, it's very nice because you can just pick any alphabet and right. say, I want to focus on that. Right. But if you were to pick like two or three or four things for a first time manager, you know, I just got promoted two weeks ago. What are some other key things a manager, that first time manager should do to make sure they have a, the right relationship with their employee and oh, yeah. building the right retention strategies? Well, I might say, just read the A chapter. <laughs> A is for ask. And it's ask your people what you can do to keep them, what they want more of. Ask them how they're doing. And every single chapter requires an ask on the part of the manager. Yeah. So I'd say the A chapter, it was that research that led my co-author and I to the idea of stay interviews. And because when do managers say, what can I do to keep you? It's at the exit interview. Right. And they need to ask that question in a variety of ways, often and early. And my only regret is that we never trademarked the word stay interview because everybody else wrote their books ahead of ours. But the idea of, do you know why they stay? Do you know why they come in wherever in is every day? I'll bet you don't. And I'll bet you think you do. So the A chapter, the other one I'd say, and it makes sense for me, is the C chapter for career. Because I know, and I think the world knows, thanks to all the big studies that have been done, that one of the top reasons people go is I can't get my career needs and wants met here. And I think that um, career is the reason I join and career is the reason I say sayonara, I'm out of here. And you know what is about career? It's people saying, I don't see the opportunities in front of me. I do not see them. And I talk in one of the books about being opportunity minded or opportunity blinded. And I think most employees walk around 
saying, oh, woe is me. There's nothing else here for me. Instead of removing the blinders and saying, well, wait a minute. I can grow, for instance, right where I am. Mm-hmm. I was just on the phone with colleagues brainstorming a new product on um, enrichment. Mm-hmm. That growing right where you are. And maybe it's something you and I uh, talk about later. But I think we've ignored job enrichment. And that's been around forever. So I'm bringing that back to life. Yeah. Job enrichment is such an interesting thing, right? Because if if you are, let's say, uh, a VP of product or a VP of engineering or whatever the role is, I mean, your promotion is not to become an SVP. That's just a title change, really. Your job and is really gets bigger as the organization goes bigger and you have more things to do or better ways of doing those things right. using better technologies, better processes, more inter- intersections between other groups and external to the organization as well. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about when you talk about job. Enrichment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, in this module, uh, one of six that we're working on right now, I'm getting more and more excited about how do we help employees grow right where they are, but, but grow where they are with an eye to how will this help me in the future and help me be better at what I'm doing. Then there's a double payoff for that. So um, no, you're making me think more about, that new product that's not even done yet but yeah right well i think it makes sense right because when i'm a president of engaged even it was 10 people you know barely any revenue and i'm still a president of engaged even it's 130 people you know we are doing well on our way to you know nice revenue my job title has not changed i've not technically gotten a promotion but my job is a lot more richer. It's a lot more involved. You know, it includes doing these things like these podcasts, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I think employees and people need to realize is, is you're growing even within, if, even if your title doesn't necessarily change. Right, right, right. The, the title thing, you know, give yourself your own title. <laughs> I mean, a lot of organizations are doing that. Right, right. You know, right. Um, And I get it because it's like, you know, you're at a party and you say, I'm the COO, you know, and um, you puff up. Um, But there's other ways of puffing up than using your title. Yes, 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 makes sense. So um, that comes back to the talent mobility part, which is. You know, sometimes so the up is not the only way. It's essentially is saying that in a way. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about what the bigger picture uh, that's in that book? Uh, the bigger picture in um, up is not the only way really is um, what the title says. You know, it's interesting. I work with a publisher um, for years who believes the title should say it all. Right. Not even the subtitle. So they make us work really hard on the title. 
with that book, I had had the title, you know, years ago. But the question is, okay, so up is not the only way, what else is? And in that book, um, I don't think I use the word because I use it in training. I use the word, um, I call it career leverage. And for all your listeners, if you write the word L-E-V-E-R-R in front of you before you sit down with an employee, it stands for lateral, enrichment, vertical, exploratory, that's a second E, Mm -hmm. realignment, which is moving back down, which is saying, I didn't like being a manager. I love my technical work and I miss it. And then the last R is relocation, which means this, this, this company is just not a fit. And where else do I go? And what I say to managers about that move is make sure the exit is an elegant one. Make sure if you're losing someone you hate to lose, keep in touch with that person because boomeranging is happening more than ever. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but those are the six choices. They were the same six I wrote about in 1982. Um, and I, I think there's still the viable choices. Yeah, I, I love the titles of your book, by the way. They are just so rhymey. Love them or lose them. Up is not the only way. I'm a um, big rhymer. Help <laughs> them grow or watch them go. I love, love that. Love right. that. Um, all right. So any, uh, you want to, give any closing thoughts on the uh, organizations that are struggling Uh, with employee retention, struggling with, uh, you know, employees not being managers, not being fully equipped uh, and because they're growing too fast. So what, what kind of, you know, advice would you give those organizations and leaders in those organizations? Do you mean other than call me? (laughs) Yes. And and they can um, call you for sure. They can call me. But, um, you know, that there are many, many ways to approach those issues. There's not one way. So I always say to clients, tell me how much time you have to do this for managers, employees, whatever, and we'll make it fit, you know, the time, you know, tell me what You know, in a way, I I talk about um, when I make proposals, I make them in three sizes, small and significant, medium and meaningful, and big and bold. Again, I mean. And you don't all have to go big and bold. Small and significant works. And so um, I, you know... It's like all the years, like you said, I was a, um, uh, uh, when you introduced me, you said I was uh, a a legend. A legend, an icon, yes. Right, and and you, (laughs) you only get to be a legend when you've been doing your stuff for a long time. So now, and I am in my late 70s, I feel smarter than ever before. 
in my youth because I've got all that wisdom kind of to pull on. Right. So um, I'd say um, read, 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 listen, 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 um, and um, choose where to put your time and keep learning. Keep yeah. learning. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Bev. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you uh, on, on, on my podcast. Thank you very much. You are very welcome. Thank you, everybody. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.